Well, here we are, Memorial Day today for another TurfCast Live episode two. And we hope you all had a great weekend. Of course, you're, you know, probably getting ready to go back to work. So that's a big time bummer, but at the same time, <laughs> so it's nice to uh, have a, have a long weekend and RD's laughing already. So, so he's probably thinking I'm doing something ridiculous. No, no, this is the, uh, you know, the, this is how they teach you in like management school about how to have a difficult conversation. You start off with the nice part, right? That, Hey, uh, you know, it's hope everything's going great. Then you launch into the, you know, the crappy part. And now we're going to spend the next two hours putting that nice, beautiful, delicious slice of bread on this crap sandwich before we feed it to you, right? So that's that. You got to finish on a positive note, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got some time to figure this out. So, how, hey, how are you? Are, are the storms firing? You, you sent me a message earlier that you were worried about some severe weather, and I I saw some uh, some video and some tweets and whatnot from uh, a little bit north of you, I think. Mm-hmm. where it is a little difficult right now. Minnesota, in fact. Uh, yeah, actually, my my mom sent me a few text messages and said it was they'd been in the basement either two or three times between last night and m- some portion of today. So uh, definitely there's some stuff going on up there. We are supposed to get something later on, but now I believe it's down to a 54% chance, which usually means probably not very likely. So. Listen, you you get this real, you know, it, it, it it's going to work out, man. I have I have a high hope that, that things are going to work out just fine. So, you know, get yourself uh let's get your mind wrapped around good things happening, rain coming and being timely and uh yeah, it's going to be hot here. I get we're uh it's Bermuda growing weather. So, of course, if you do listen to the audio only format of the podcast, which you can check out on all of your favorite podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, uh, any of the others, right? It's out there under the Ryan Nor podcast. You'll know that like true Midwesterners at a McDonald's at 640 in the morning, drinking coffee and reading the newspaper, the first thing that we have to talk about is the weather. It's just, it's imperative. It's a must. We have to. So mm-hmm. uh, whatever the weather's like in your neck of the woods, hey. It's uh, it's time to buckle up, RK, because you know why is we are getting into June and we are uh, we are entering into the hundred days of hell uh, if you're growing cool season grass or a uh, hundred days of pure bliss if you're growing warm season grass. So wherever you fall on that spectrum, you know, uh, like I said, buckle up because it's going to be an enjoyable ride. So. We've got uh, a Bermuda grass field here that we are going to beat the ever-living snot out of tomorrow. I am going to be there for it. I will I, I will put some pictures out as we do it. It's going to be fun. Uh, and meanwhile, Is that one from last year already then? Uh, no, this is one of the older ones. This is one that's uh, now like in its fourth season. So just doing the basic cultural practice stuff of airification. Uh, some, so pulling some cores, doing some deep time work, a real aggressive verticutting. So gonna go hard nice. in the paint hard in nice the paint. so can't wait for that and then uh, a whole bunch of fungicide going out this week on the cool season so uh it's a bad day to be a fungus uh the rest <laughs> of this week have you been getting a lot of rain too or has it been pretty dry uh we have had a, uh, a quite a bit i was actually you know it didn't it seemed like we had a decent amount and then uh the national weather service here put on a map that kind of like you know, spot totaled everything for the month that we had had. 
and we're dry through tomorrow, so it's pretty much the final total. And uh, like pretty much all in a circle right around uh, Columbus here, we had upwards of eight, nine inches of rain for the month of May. Oh, wow. So, yeah. It, it, again, uh, you know, we had some pretty big uh, rain events throughout the month, and that attributed to that total. But, yeah, there is no shortage of soil moisture. I mean, we, we had uh, a pretty big rainfall here just a couple of days ago, and I was out checking some sod spots on some cool season stuff uh, that was just patched in, like lacrosse, gold mouth, stuff like that. So I was checking them out today, and no irrigations ran, and that, that stuff is still plenty moist right now. So, uh, yeah, moisture management going to be a key topic here. So, RK, why don't you set up for everybody? They, they've no way they can listen to the audio-only format, but uh, talk to us about the live format. How's this going to work tonight? So tonight is our first show with the members-only chat. So the reason that we're doing this is just to try to hone in on the people who want to support and who want to get some of their questions answered or just participate in the chat, whatever it might be. And uh, so that's what we're doing with this. We are doing a live stream just to everybody else who wants to watch or who wants to watch later and giving that a shot. But of course, we still enjoy doing our podcast only type of thing too so this is just a, a different avenue that we're doing tonight and seeing how this whole thing all goes but i saw there was a new member already rain in the comments here and they said my coors banquet is cold and ready we cannot cannot have anything bad to say about that hey well you know the, the miller coors product line fine folks over there uh bob if you're listening to the video format hello uh, but yeah, that's that's a good way to finish off the weekend. You don't want to go a little too hard in the paint, though. Here, okay. I mean, if there's anything I can say is you don't want to wreck the week on a Monday when you still got a four day work week coming up. So just pump the brakes a little bit there on the on the bank years. Yeah, and unfortunately, my my uh, week starts out tomorrow by going to the dentist at 10 a.m. So that's also a lot of fun. Hmm. But nothing crazy. Just the just the usual. Just the usual. Yeah, you know, that's, uh, I don't know, in a way, RK, tonight, we will be turf dentists. You know, there's there's people that are going to go in there for 45 minutes and make you feel bad about yourself, shame you, uh, make you feel guilty because you haven't flossed or, you know, you haven't sharpened your motor blade or something like that. And then we're going to come in at the end, you know, for like two or three minutes, poke around a little bit, make it pretend like we're looking at stuff and then say, yep, yeah, everything looks good. See you back here in six months. It's a great job. I mean, it really is. It's a, it, and you should get you should get rewarded for that after having gone through dentistry school. Just uh, you know, it's not the same as turf school, but uh, it's a little more difficult, a little more expensive, but is what it is. So, all right. So we are going to get through some member questions here in a little bit as those come in and trickle in. So feel free to ask those over there in the chat if you are a member. If you haven't become a member. Go slide down there, click the join button, a couple different levels, three different levels, in fact, that you can choose from to uh, to join in here with us and uh, share some time on these live chats. You get some other member perks in there that are really cool. And uh, who knows, as this, uh, as this thing builds up, carries on, we'll probably add some other cool features and things like that. But, you know, progress before perfection. I know that's not your mantra in, in life and in turf, RK, but I promise you with this, it is okay. It's okay. I'm here to guide you on the bumpy trail that is uh, this live format. So it's all good. Uh, 
so on this uh, this water management piece thing, I was thinking about yeah. this. Now we talked in the audio format about my trip out there, and for those of you that don't know, uh, what was it, two or three weeks ago, something like that? Uh, mm-hmm. Went out there. I went out to Des Moines, visited RK, got to tour the new property, which is fantastic. I highly encourage you uh, check out the most recent uh, podcast, the audio format, and listen about all the goings ons there. But uh, at the time, one of the topics that we had covered uh, out there was the semi-permanent, overly temporary irrigation system that is uh, currently existing on the plots and everything like that. And you wanted to add in the ryegrass plots. So tell me, as we get into the uh, armpit, uh, ass crack sweat part of summer, where are we at with that? Has anything happened on the irrigation? Well, I got a contact from um, one of your your friends there that had given you a contact that was local and I got in touch with them and I have a name that I'm trying to get in touch with that hopefully they can come out and uh, they do commercial irrigation, larger projects, all that fun type of stuff, turf, you know. So I think both of them, there's like two guys that that are in this company and have, have each done it like minimum 25 years. So I'm thinking that's perfect. That's that's probably going to be the route that I at least going I'm going to get some good information from that. But right now, that's where I'm at on that. The other thing is that I have not watered anything except the six plots, but the larger plots, we've been having enough rain that I haven't had to do anything. Now today, speaking of the moisture management, I was out there, there was 40, 45 mile per hour wind. It was, I wouldn't say overly humid today, but it was slightly, but I mean, I could just watch the water come out of the ground and blow away. So definitely if we don't get some rain wow. tonight, I'm going to have to be out there doing some watering. So we are getting to that point of where I hoped I had something done by now, but that's just how it goes. There's, there's always things to do and things pile up. You know how it goes. Hey, that's the, that's the beauty of uh, having this property, okay, is that it will never, ever, ever be finished, right? And it'll always be something to get into. That's, I mean, no. from a uh, from a content creation standpoint, that's got to be encouraging. Uh, and from your uh, anxious personality of getting stuff done, uh, it's got to be a little terrifying. I got to. It it is that's because sad. you know I was thinking about your work and I was like you know RD has all this stuff going on, but at the same time he goes and checks on these projects and most of the time someone is in the tractor doing the work. I'm that person and I'm running the camera and whatever else happens. So yeah, today I was out there all day putting, uh, seeding some annual ryegrass. That's what I was doing. So, Ooh, wait. All right. So let's take a couple of questions here real quick. And then on our next segment, we will, uh, we'll throw the timer up just so we can have a little bit of uh, our chit chat. So if you're familiar and used to the audio format, get a little bit of that and then also mixed in with some questions here from our members so real quick i will fly over here and look at Ooh, i see one question. right away from aldo oh boy aldo so let's hear what he what says does he have to say? are there any new upcoming products coming to lawn supply company um Ooh, well we just came that. out with the ammonium sulfate uh soluble so that one's new but 
Matt has been cooking up a few different things as he always is. And he's, he just sends me goodies every once in a while in a plain, you know, box that I'm like, I have no idea what this is. And he'll just be like, go throw that down somewhere. So that's what's happening currently. He, he's cooking on some things. That's, that's what's happening. So I can't give you a time frame, but there will be some things in the future. Yeah, I think that's the one. Uh, I guess if there's a good thing about the way that uh, the product development is, and I'm just going to speak from this in an external view because I have no affiliation, nothing to do with it. But uh, I would say that you know most companies in this space, and particularly in like the homeowner DIY and you know prosumer type of markets, are just typically. You know, taking stuff they do in other lines or something like that and repackaging it. Uh, not always, and that's not to say that that's bad. It's just that's the way it goes, right? There's just mm-hmm. not enough money for the time and effort it takes to develop and test and market. You know, bring to market new products, and so I think that'll be the one differentiator. And you know, whether somebody views that as good or bad, that's up to them. But uh, yeah, I uh, I sometimes get the box of goodies too, and uh, you know, now that uh, now that Matt knows certain areas that I have that I'm willing to, you know, sort of mess around with and play mad scientist on, you know, he's oh, I'll take this one over to that one that you did before with the thing, and we'll do it like this. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's mixologist Matt. I feel like you know we're at uh, I feel like we're at Coyote Ugly, and he should be getting up on the bar and dancing. <laughs> Maybe, yeah, that's true. I'm sure we could yeah, convince him to do I'm- that. Oh, I, there's no doubt. I mean, just how much we don't have to give him even that much bourbon. I don't think. I think he'd probably do it even without. But uh, there's another question here, RD. This one I think you might enjoy. Are layers in your soil that bad? Example being, if I decide to start leveling my lawn with sand, but only every other year at most. Um, basically, they're just asking what would happen if that were were the case. Well. In in true consultant fashion, I will give you the answer that I get paid the most to give, RK. It depends. All right. Now, I'll back that up and say uh, a couple of things here is it depends on uh, the type of grass that you have, first and foremost, right? So, uh, if you have a very aggressive grass, right? So, like a Bermuda grass or uh, some of the older Kentucky bluegrasses that are real big batch formers, things like that, could get a little dicey, right? Because you're going to uh, accumulate a significant amount of organic material in the upper portion of that soil profile pretty quickly into the point where it's going to outpace how much top dressing you're putting out. So you have to think of it like this, is that with those particular grasses, if you're not going to remove it, which is totally fine, don't fall into the trap that you have to dethatch and do all this other stuff. It, you know, it, it, and only in very specific situations, I would say that that's necessary. That being said... What you do have to do if you're not going to do that and you have those types of grasses, very aggressive ones, is that you have to dilute, essentially, right? Dilute the amount of organic material that's being built up over time, right? So think of it uh, in the way that, uh, you know, as that uh, organic material production ramps up, if you put sand on it and dilute it down, over time you can kind of keep that stuff in check. Doing it every year, you're going to end up getting uh, like tiger stripes in the soil. And I don't have a good enough picture to pull up right now. I'll see if I can do that. We can throw it up later because I think it, it would be good to help visualize it. But uh, yeah, what can that do? What are the problems associated with that? Well, number one is going to be 
water infiltration, right? So water getting actually into the soil and then percolating or going downward, right, through the soil. We measure how fast that goes, uh, just like a rainfall rate. So how many inches, right, vertical inches per hour that move. Uh, and so that can impede that, cause some issues. Uh, the other thing that you'll want to be mindful of there, too, is uh, certain types of uh, chemicals, in particular, uh, some of the insecticides that we typically use as preventative for grubs will get hung up in uh, high organic matter concentrations, right? So we want to make sure that uh, that doesn't become an issue, too. So you don't want to create an issue where you can't sustain that upper part of the profile because that's really the most critical part. It's the front door to your soil which I just made up and it sounds cool, but whatever. So Can you elaborate a bit more on the tiger stripe thing? Like what happens, what scenario yeah. are you talking about that? Can happen? Oh, that's more of in, in the aggressive types of grasses. Now, the other thing that we didn't get to is if we have, you know, um, let's just say bunch type grasses. So like ryegrass or a turf type 12 fescue, something that qu- isn't quite as aggressive uh, and it's one seed equals one plant, right? They're not sod formers. And even in that situation, you're still, you know, you're still accumulating organic matter, um, not necessarily at the same rate, but it also in the it might lend itself a little bit better to a situation where you're top dressing less frequently. Uh, so identifying your grass type would be a huge consideration there. Now let me see if I can pull this up. Well, this is an interesting discussion because I was actually thinking about putting some sand down this week. Oh boy, here we go. Where at? Where where are you gonna put the sand? At home. I've I've got I've got a big pile of sand laying out that that needs to be put down before I leave this property. And we have a fairly good stretch of weather coming of like mid seventies for it looks like roughly two weeks. So I wasn't gonna go too heavy on anything. I was going to top dress probably at all of the low cut stuff. I do have a a top dresser machine to use for some of it. So some of that would be light. And then there was one section that I, one little small section that I may do a bit more drastically, but yeah. A bit more drastically, huh? Mm-hmm. Just, you know, trying to ruin something for the purposes of seeing how far I can take it. Uh, you know what? Like I said in the, in the last podcast was whoever buys your current house is going to be like, man, this guy was on you. Like you're, I, I feel like you're going to go all out. So like, uh, not to get off the topic of the question, I, I will find a picture here as I'm, I'm sorting through, but you know, when, uh, we do professional fields, sometimes they'll do a big event or a couple of different events at the very end of the life cycle of the field, you know, so like uh, a big concert, you know, where they just tear the hell out of the field. Uh, or uh, you know, like a monster truck rally or something like that. We need to figure out what we're gonna do at your place to send the lawn out, and then just like you know, strip off what's there, and then we'll sod it over with like tall fescue or something like that. You know, just as like a going away <laughs> present, dude. That would be I fun. Could just take that, the. I could just take my sod and take it to my new place, and then grow something else in. That would be interesting too. That's actually that's a really good idea. Let's like, yeah. uh, like a, a authentic piece of sod or something like that. Like arcade game worn, but like we could, yeah. All right. I like what this game is worn lawn right there. Game worn lawn. 
All right, I'll keep hunting for a picture here. All right, I've got. But so when you were talking about those tiger stripes, though, that was caused from too much or too little of the sand. Too so too infrequent, right? So okay. either you know uh, where, where we see it is if you change the type of sand that you're doing, and then you know you modify the drainage principle or uh, properties, excuse mm-hmm. me, of that profile, or if you're putting down you know just a little bit, you go a long time in between thatch layer forms now we put more sand on top of that right so think of it like a birthday cake and you're building like that versus if we just put out you know uh a large amount two or three times a year right or uh, a smaller amount maybe three or four times a year so on and so forth to get yourself to where you're matching the rate of uh, organic matter Mm -hmm. accumulation so what do you think about me putting some out now sure go for it i mean it's uh, like I said, you're gonna have uh, somebody shaking their fist at the sky repeatedly when they they're like, ah, "You got me again, Nor." Yeah, they're gonna be. <laughs> it'll be. Yeah. Wouldn't uh, wouldn't it be funny if? And I saw this on Reddit the other day that there's a a uh, a group that's devoted to uh, they call it, it's Reddit slash R slash. Uh, no lawns, which again, oh. if you want to do that, mm-hmm. it's fine. But wouldn't that be like the most antithetical thing in the world is if somebody bought that lawn and like just turned it into like rocks or something like that? Koi pond. I might be about- the poster child for that group right now that they just <laughs> they rail on every day. That's probably what happens. That's yeah, you are most definitely the guy that, uh, well, probably like the uh, the banner. On the Reddit, like if you look at it on the yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like well, every day they look at that and yeah. This is a pretty good. So really quickly too here, wanted to thank Toby for joining the Long Hills level. Thank you very much for joining us and Thomas Adams. He joined as well and gave us a super chat. Says I love y'all. I have PTSD. PTSD from military services. New hobby has helped me. It's meta. I can't speak today, but. He just says thank you so much and thank you so much for your service. We appreciate it. Yeah, much appreciated, especially uh, on Memorial Day where we honor those that did not turn. So thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate that. And, uh, I, you know, I'll, I'll speak to this real quick. Is We, uh, we have a good friend uh, who is still currently serving, Mr. Robert Palmer, who we got to talk to, uh, what was that, the other night, uh, Thursday night of, of this past week. And, chat with a little bit and wish him well and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I, I, he was the one who taught, at least taught me or made me aware that, uh, you know, for that purpose, right, that this is a hobby and this is something that helps people step away. And I think RK, you and I have talked about this before where it's a really weird thing to think that, you know, a bunch of people are going to sit on here and listen to us talk about grass. Like, you know, we take it for granted and just saying like, this is what we do. And, you know, it's our everyday job, just like if we were talking to, you know, somebody in IT about coding or server racks or something like that, or mm-hmm. I don't even know, your dentist about, you know, your uh, your third molar, that guy, that kind of stuff. We take it for granted, but these folks, uh, this is their escape from whatever is, you know, ailing them or it's their enjoyment, their passion outside of everything that they normally do. So uh, that's the cool part about what we get to do. So thank mm-hmm. you very much. Appreciate the... Uh, Appreciate the comment. Appreciate the super chat. Yeah. 
Absolutely. We have a couple more questions we could get to quickly here. Sure. Before we get to our segment of what we're going to work on next year. But hey, guys, did my soil test and I have a double the amount of calcium in my soil. How do you lower calcium levels? Is this an actual issue I should try to fix? Can't find much about this topic online. So, Toby, not knowing where you're at in the country, uh, the answer is not really. And uh, you don't need to necessarily be worried or concerned about that. There's no such thing as uh, uh, calcium toxicity or anything like that. What it can do is, uh, you know, create problems with soil pH, which I'd be curious to know what your pH is. Probably kind of high, if I had to guess. And the other thing that you'll need to be, uh, you know, just mindful of is a lot of that has to do with the parent material of your soil. So, you know, for instance, there's soils down in Texas, you know, that are super, super high calcium. Uh, and as a result, like the way that you manage that turf has to be a little bit different. So if you can, throw in there uh, what your pH is, because I would be curious to know. And also, generally, without giving away your ducks and yourself, but uh, generally, what part of the country you're in? Denver. Denver. Okay. Yeah, Denver. again, what's, uh, I'm thinking of the, the quote from old school when he's sitting out at the wedding. Denver, Sunshine State, gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh that was a little aside but so uh again not really concerned about having calcium be too high the things that you'll want to uh take a look at right uh relative to calcium levels is gonna be um magnesium levels as well so making sure that it doesn't get too low too high based on the amount of uh, calcium that you have there if you have a chance uh rk where can he send the soil test so that we can talk about it in the mailbag on either the next video show, live show, or the audio format? We can. You can grab the soil test. Um, you're talking about sending in his actual one. Yeah, yeah. Where can he? Yeah, uh, go ahead and send that over to Ryan Norlon Care at gmail.com, and we will take a peek at that. Maybe on the next show, or maybe later today. We'll see. Outstanding. See. Here to help. Here to help. All right. Uh, oh, seven point pH. It's all for little yeah. normal. All right. Okay. Send it in. Let's take a look at it. I would love to see the whole thing. All right. What else do we? Get? Another question here. I have a dry topsoil, meaning not a lot of organic matter in it. I wanted to bring in high quality dark soil along with some commercially sourced compost and mix it in. Thoughts on that or any advice? Well, okay, uh, a few things. RK, the compost thing. Now, this this could get interesting. So, I'm assuming. How do you read that question? Like, is it amending the commercially bought topsoil with compost, or are you thinking that it is amending the existing with compost and forgetting about the commercially sourced topsoil? How do you? Read um, that? I'm thinking. I don't know. It's because it says commercially sourced compost and mixing it in. But mixing it in to me means like tilling it in, something mm-hmm. like that. But Okay. Yeah, so if we're going to do the compost route, uh, the thing that you need to be mindful of is uh, a certain amount, right, that we get to as far as a critical value of putting down uh, compost that's going to be too much, right? So uh, depending on what the percentage of organic matter is right now, I'm assuming you're probably like 1.5 or less if it's, you know, real bad garbage dirt right from the bottom of a basement that was dug on a new home or something like that. So 
in that case, uh, I would try to go with, uh, you know, one inch of topsoil spread, or excuse me, one inch of compost spread over that, uh, that topsoil that you've got there, and then tilled to a minimum depth, minimum depth of at least four inches, preferably down to six, right? This is going to give us our best uh, chance for success without overly loading the uh, soil with way too much compost, okay? Uh, you know, you can check and see with the commercially available uh, topsoil that's there. Uh, a couple of things that you'll want to be mindful of in the, or in the event that you do the, the, uh, the topsoil is, number one, make sure, I've seen this happen uh, a number of times on construction sites, things like that, is make sure that you loosen up, rough up the existing soil before you go ahead and put that lift of uh, good quality topsoil on there. Any type of slope, any type of change of grade, you're going to have washing uh, of that soil. So imagine it just like two levels of soil, two layers of soil stacked on top of one another. You get enough rainfall, enough uh, force of water coming behind it. All this stuff up here is just going to go slide right off and be gone. So if you can rough it up, so if you can you know, lightly till, just get the top you know, one or two inches of that existing soil worked up. Then go ahead and put your topsoil down. You'll be much better off. So if it's me, uh, I'd want to go ahead and check out what is locally available from the topsoil. What, what's, what's the uh, line here, RK? Oh, it's just your typical topsoil. Yes. Y'all, want the, y'all want the brown dirt or the black dirt? That's what they say in Iowa, I think. The stuff with rocks in it or not rocks in it. That's about what it comes <laughs> down is, to. Is that it? <laughs> yeah, that's like uh, you know back back uh, you know around the Great Depression when you had the choice of buying toilet paper that was either you know splinter free or not splinter free, like mm. that. So mm. same, yeah. Hey, hey, pay the extra, get the good topsoil. So uh, there's a lot more work involved with the organic, you know, bringing in the organics and bringing in the compost. Uh, I would look at the topsoil option first. So that's a long way of getting there, but just trying to explain. The realities. The other thing too on the t- on the compost thing is you have to have a kick-ass tiller, like a really hardcore tiller. So depending on how much area you have, if it's able to be done with a tractor or something like that, if it's not, uh, look up. Uh, I think we've talked. About, I can't remember if you and I have talked about them, but Barreto, B-A-R-R-E-T-O, uh, pretty uh, pretty hardy, meaty tillers, meaty okay. tillers. Okay. Yeah, I don't think we have talked about that before, but yeah, if you're going to, I mean, if you're going to try to get to four, yeah, you're going to have to have just the right moment moisture wise, probably in most scenarios mm-hmm. here. Yeah. And spreading out like just an inch, like not too much, not too little and spreading that all out, it, it gets tough. So get yourself a, you know, a decent tiller, rough up that top inch or two, get your, your top sole in there. And RK, I think you and I have talked about this before, but if you have access and can get one, depending on where you're at in the country, but a uh, a slinger truck. Are you familiar with a slinger truck, RK? I'm not sure if I am. Well, let's I mean, see maybe I, I am, and I don't know what the name is. Slinger truck topsoil. We got to do a video of this because we're not an audio, and we can do this. Oh, here we go. This is an old video, and this is actually from here in Columbus. Hang on. Jay Pink, this is going to come at you right now. By the way, before he meets me, Jay Pink, world-class producer, makes time. Going on in the background there. All right. Jay Pink, go ahead and throw this video up real quick. RK, this is going to change your life. You need to buy one of these. 
I think they're I think they're in the probably 350 range right now, something like that. But you know, you could run you could do a bunch of jobs. All right, watch this guy. <laughs> 350. Oh yeah. Look look at that bastard. Just put it right where you want it. Anywhere you need it. Now the cool ones, the, there's another company that's here in town that has the one that has a uh, a wireless controller. So the guy's outside of the truck and you could back oh, wow. up and push pull the truck forward as you're outside the truck. So if you want to like move So it for those of you who may be listening to this later and not visualizing, it honestly looks like a cement truck that you would see the cement coming out the back, but it's throwing the soil wherever you wanted to put it. So it's Yeah. It's basically you can throw it up, up to about forty feet. Maybe wow. fifty, depending oh. on the day. Yeah. You can you can launch it. So highly encourage it. You know, it adds a little bit of cost. I think right now the going rate uh, to add this service on, at least here, and I know there's some folks in Detroit that have these as well, uh, but I want to say here it's about, about 16 to $20 a yard extra. But man, it saves you a ton of back-breaking work. I'm talking a ton. And I'll tell you... Nah, okay, I'll just go with the regular wheelbarrow. That'd be, yeah, that'd be I know. Way of doing it. Well, I, I, was, I was two things. One... I was waiting for you to be like, well, wait, wait, uh, uh, sir, wh- where's the sifter at on this? Uh, mm-hmm. I, th- I think you're making it. It should just be built pretty- in for that price. It's sh- it, Why is it not? That goes through, the stuff that goes through there is going through like three-eighth harp wire. You should go, we, when you come here uh, for your trip, I'm going to take you out to the topsoil processing plant and show you all the, the cool stuff out there about how they make make topsoils and mix up. That'll be the first thing that I like the first thing in the videos. Like what did RK do in Columbus? Went to the topsoil processing plant, like the highlight of the trip. Seriously. Right there. I mean, it is going to be, it'll be one of the nerdiest trips ever taken in turf. There's no question about it. Um, The second thing I was going to say is uh, we did this one time. We used that truck and spread and did what I was just talking about with the compost. We spread out about an inch, inch and a half of compost pretty evenly, evenly enough that we went back through and just kind of like moved around in some heavier spots and raked it into some low spots and everything like that, tilled it all in and used the soil in place. So it's possible for that too. So take a look. There you go. Life change. Here's a question from Kendall says, I gambled a bit and planted grass two weeks ago. The weather was going good. The grass is coming nicely. What's the best way to keep it going during the hot season? I'm in northwest Iowa. Well, I, what a well wild, actually, I, what a wild I probably, planted, probably planted my ryegrass out at the property maybe three weeks ago. It's looking pretty good right now, too, but... I, so I saw someone comment as well, water. Again, we can talk about water management, but that's probably going to be the most important thing going forward here is keeping it watered, but also not going overboard because as those, as you know, RD, that 75 degree overnight temperature with humidity is going to be just Yikes. wanting to eat that new grass like it's not even there. Yeah. Yes. Vaporize it. In fact, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that, that's tough. I think that is, uh, well, okay. We've had these talks before. So uh, the the few things I would say here would be, number one is uh, proper water management. So again, knowing when to back off 
And what that means is just because it's hot, and RK did a fantastic video on this that came out just hours ago. Highly encourage you to go check it, watch, check it out and watch it. But, uh, you know, really about uh, when it's comfortable outside, right? So when the humidity is low, and, or if we have a breeze or something like that, regardless of what the temperature is, that is a time to go ahead and make sure that you're watering. And watering uh, ample, right, to, uh, to get through that dry period. Because, again, water is just getting sucked right out of the soil, as RK was saying earlier. So it's really, really important. Now, as you get into those real hot, humid days, just because it's hot doesn't necessarily mean that uh, you need an excessive amount of water to keep that, that grass alive. So the balance there is really the relative humidity and the winds, right? So more calm the air is, right, in terms of uh, winds, and the more humid the air is, those are times where you want to back off significantly up into the point where you might not throw any at all. So let the soil be your guide. And then as the turf becomes more established, starts to mature a little bit, let the turf be your guide. You know, watch for wilt. Watch and make sure that, uh, you know, as that stuff starts to get a little bit crispy, make sure that you've got water to it. And then also kind of think about as well, you know, when we're looking at watering in a professional situation, right, we're, we're thinking about, okay, hey, well, we got about a half an inch of rain two days ago, and now here we are 48 or so hours later, and I'm starting to see wilt. So I kind of file that away in my memory bank that, okay, we can take about a half an inch of water, and I'm good for about a day and a half, maybe up to two days under these conditions. So just consider that as you go through it. The last thing I'll say is this, is that uh, protect that turf. So in those times uh, of uh, you know, high heat and humidity, that is a time to play defense, right? So backing off on the water, but potentially using you know, some fungicides in certain cases. Uh, another product that would be useful to look at would be the phosphite products. Right, so to protect against pythium and some of those uh, very, very quick onset and very devastating uh, plant diseases that can really take stuff out really quickly. So, highly mm-hmm. encourage you to check those things out. So, uh, RK, what do you think? What, what am yeah, I, I was going to say similar stuff. I would, if it were me, I don't know how big of an area this is, but I'd probably also True. be managing some of the fertilizer with more of like a real light dose just every once in a while uh-huh. of like a liquid or something through the summertime just make sure you're not going too crazy with that because you don't want to you don't want to be trying to accelerate a lot of growth in those conditions especially um you know i know how iowa summers are here it gets plenty hot and humid so that's that's just one thing we didn't touch on probably was the fertilizer side but that's otherwise mostly it was just going to be irrigation management was going to be my thing too. So That's a, Evan yeah. joined on lawn goals level. Thank you so much. And he has a question said, just inherited my mom's house on Vancouver Island. Lots of moss. I raked it out afternoon sun, but it has heavy shade. Could you could use advice for a Canadian since we can't use many chemicals that you often recommend? Mm. Okay. Well, Okay, so sounds like shade problem. Shade problem. So, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna toss this to you because your shade area and that photo that you put out advertising this shot. Listen, that was mesmerizing, and I just saw it in person like two weeks ago, and I was like, "Damn, that looks good! Like it looks it's banging." So, talk to us because I feel like in looking around that area and what I remember of sort of the surrounding areas before you went down into that, that little spot, uh, 
it had to be mossy. It's shady as hell, and not in the not in the shady way, like, it, but literally, <laughs> light being blocked, trees, problems. So, lay it out for us. Talk about the situation you inherited, inherited out there uh, at Waterbury. Surprisingly, there was not a lot of moss on the actual area that I seeded. There, I do find some on the banks, so more where. I think just the water doesn't drain out very well. The Probably the nice thing that I have down there that you saw was that it's a similar soil structure to everything else that does actually drain pretty well. I think otherwise I would be in a lot of trouble because you're exactly right. There's not much drying out going on down there. And now that even since you've been here, the amount of tree cover, leaf cover that's come back in is now it's like, you know, full shade most of the time. So I would say for this this person here, definitely try to do anything you can with that shade. You know, any sort of filtering of the light that you can get into there, into there that's going to help you obviously. And then usually some kind of mechanical removal of that moss and trying to get some kind of grass in there. The proper grass would be good to compete with that before it it comes back is going to be your best type of bet in that situation. Yeah, I, I think the uh, just creating an environment that's conducive for grass growth, right? And knowing that you know, moss isn't the end of the world, just it's it's tough to deal with when you have a lot of traffic on it, right? So depending on what the use is in the yard and that kind of thing, uh, yeah, trying to improve any any and all uh, light and air movement that you possibly can. So if those trees are there and they they could use a trim. Think about that too, for sure. Yeah. We had another new member, Mike. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mike has a question. Laid some Zeon Zoysia sod. It was semi-dormant still a month ago in NC. It is rooted pretty well, but looks desperately in need of a scalp. Should I just let it do its thing or should I scalp it? Mm. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say on, even on Zeon, uh, one, it's a little too early, and two is that uh, some of those new Asia grasses do not really care for a what would be considered a traditional Bermuda type scalp. So, I think you could probably yeah. Lower this would height. definitely be this would definitely be a good Ray question. He would know. Oh yeah, well, and that's where I learned that, that's where I learned the, the the balance right, striking the balance there on when you go down to dirt and when you just take a little bit off the top here. So. I would let it chill. I would let it get rooted in well here and then wait until you know we're a little bit further to June before you go ahead and do something like that. Gotcha. We had another new member here. They had a question, lives in Sacramento and I'm having a heck of a time trying to figure out what works best for me seed-wise. Having good luck with tall fescue, but should I look into warm season grass instead? Ooh, let's see. Artie's going to look that up. I don't... California has so many different little climates to it that it's hard to remember exactly those locations, but we can look that up real quick and figure out. Oh, yeah. It's it's hot in the summertime. Average highs, 80 in May, 87 in July, 92... or 87 June, 92 July, 91 August, 87 September. Uh, average lows down to 38 in January and December. So yeah, it's, uh, 
it's a warmer climate. I've been out there just one time. It was your, it was gorgeous, nice place for sure. But uh, I, you know, I think, not think, I know that the that in that area, right, that uh, some of the more cold tolerant Bermudas, Bermuda grasses are being uh, used more frequently in certain situations. So I can see a use case for it here for sure. I think. Uh, the thing that you've got to be mindful of, no matter what, is just you know I'm sure and I know that this is a, is a thing out there right now, but just the watering restrictions, right? You know how yep. much are you able to water? And tall fescue gets a, uh, a, a seen in a positive light because it uh, is very drought tolerant, right, and drought resistant. But when it is being irrigated, it takes more water than any of the cool season grasses, right? So it can withstand uh, you know, a significant period without water. However, if it's being actually irrigated back up into full, quote-unquote, uh, it does consume more water. So that all being said, I, you know, if it were me, I would strongly consider uh, you know, some of the warm season grasses that are available to you out there and be mindful again of uh, you know, which ones are being a little bit more tolerant right on the... Uh, Yep. on the uh, water con- you know, conservation side. The other sure. thing that you can look into with that is that if you did decide, um, you know, look into the water conservation actual cultivars that have been tested for that. I learned a lot about that in Oregon. So there are, uh, there's info there that you can get to. But if it were me, that he says Sacramento hits 100 plus summertime, I would probably do mm. maybe a little bit of both. You could just keep some of your cool season and then do some warm season too. Why not? <laughs> That's the most RK answer ever given on this show. I don't see a reason why not. I mean, why, why, why pick a grass and you can have all the grasses, right? Exactly. It'll That's what I'm going it, for. Yeah, I know. Literally, like it is going to be, uh, is going to be the uh, golden corral of grasses out at uh, out at the farm. Just mm-hmm. come get you a ladle, a ladle full. You want to. You want a ladle full of ryegrass over here? You want a scoop of uh, tall fescue over here? Even uh, even buffalo grass. Remember, I tried to talk you into buffalo grass. You know, I actually, I am going to do some of that because somebody else had a oh, comment boy. about it and they, they really wanted me to try it in one of the comments recently. Um, I think they've been doing some either testing or some sort of research in Nebraska, I think, on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it sounded it, it piqued my interest enough that I was like, yeah, I'll probably go for that. I'll probably try some. See, you, you, you had never met a grass you didn't like. You just have it. Well, that not might yet. not be true. Not but <laughs> no, come on, don't 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 start with your tall fescue guilt trip, man. Yeah, I don't really. I still don't really love fescue, but I I can appreciate it for what it is. So we had uh, another new member, Jesse. We know him. He, I think, happens to be in the little Discord group. So thank you so much. And then we had a super chat. Said, good evening, gentlemen. Ryobi tools are trash. Oh, wow. Okay. I don't actually think I have any Ryobi tools. You, you uh, you know, somewhere the, uh, uh, somebody at Home Depot you know, that's probably watching this just called and woke up 10 people at Ryobi and let them know. So, uh, we did have a couple of old ones. I think we missed from Mr. Thomas Adams. Uh, he had two questions here real quick. He said, wouldn't a plant growth regulator 
help plants hold water. And uh, the research bears this out, Mr. Adams, that there is some uh, there is a little bit of water conservation that takes place uh, vis-a-vis you know slowing down of growth essentially, right? So uh, yeah, not to the extent that you're going to see huge gains, right, uh, and savings on your water bill, but uh, the overall benefits of using plant growth regulators, uh, particularly on an irrigated lawn through the spring, summer, and into the early fall are numerous, and that is just one of them. So take that for what it's worth. Mr. Adams also had a question. He said, I'm on my third round of tenacity, uh, trying to get time to take out Creeping Charlie. And then he said that, w- it will it be the death of me? Any advice? Well, uh, Mr. Adams, I personally, and I'm sure RK would sidle up right here alongside me and say, I would not be using tenacity on Creeping Charlie in having high hopes of success. So uh, you're going to want to go ahead and get yourself some triclopyr. You can pick that up on any of the sites. RK can tell you where and when and how. But uh, try T-Zone is what I usually use. T-Zone is a fine product, too. I think you can get it in like a small, like a little 20 20 or 32-ounce bottle. might cost you 40 bucks, something like that. Uh, Try that out, and I think you'll have uh, very good success against the Creeping Charlie. And again, from a timing perspective, just be careful on uh, you know when it's being yep. a little too hot so anything over like 85 you're going to want to wait so uh, if you get some warm days coming up either try to spray in the morning or wait it out until you have some cooler weather coming by yeah that's exactly what i was going to say is just we're getting into that window where it gets a bit more dangerous so dangerous let's see here uh okay so you sent some pictures mm-hmm. earlier because we have the visual element that we don't normally get during the cast, right? Yep. I mean, we can see each other, but anyway. Yeah. I wanted to talk about what's, dri- what's driving me crazy currently, which is a usual thing here for the show where I usually say something about whatever is on my mind and RD's like, no, everything will be perfectly good. You're, you're just crazy. <laughs> so we'll get into that segment right now. So Please. what's going on is... A very typical summer thing, like like I told you when you were here, I was like, everything really looks amazing coming out of the gates. Color looks really good. Even though we had a weird spring that was so up and down, I felt like the color was fairly good overall. But now it just has lost a lot of that color and it kind of looks just sort of summery, as I told you when you were here. I was like, it's transitioning into a, a different type of look in a different type of period of the year. So Mm -hmm. what I wanted to show you on those plots is that Mm -hmm. I'm having an interesting thing happen there where everywhere around the fringes of these plots has the same dark, super dark look that I had of all of the turf in the spring. And then now, for some reason, it just happens to be in specific areas and I cannot figure out why or what may be going on. So I just thought it would be something to look at not that you have an answer but just have you ever seen anything like that i've not seen that i mean now here on these plots these are the rectangular plots they should be getting mowed just the same you know the one thing i would have said is on the edge of the ryegrass plot which was in the first picture that maybe ah you know you didn't might be a little longer sure this is the fescue right here and that's all been Mm -hmm. mowed and that's the ryegrass Mm -hmm. 
And then that last plot, like you said, definitely all mowed at the same height. I just, it's very confusing to me. The only thing I can think is, you know, so in this bare soil right here, right? So I'm assuming that you've, you know, when you fertilize these plots, you know, you're going up and back or, you know, side to side, whatever. I wonder if you got any extra fertilizer outside onto your bare soil, right? And if you had a gully washer, if you had enough water to move that stuff out to the edge, right? That maybe, just mm-hmm. maybe, she's a little bit more juiced up right there on those edges. Just a thought. Now, uh, you know, it doesn't explain, eh, I don't know, go back to the fescue plot real quick. The first one, J-Pink. Yep. Hmm. I mean, it's possible, I guess, out here. But again, uh, you know, uh, that would be my only guess. You know, if we we're going to play uh, Turf CSI and do the crime scene investigation here, I can't make any other sense of that. Um, but I'm also well, especially on this plot right here, the washing that would happen would be actually somewhat away from that area, the way that it flows through there. So it's just been strange. It's almost like a few of the spots have gone to straight root development and really aren't even growing upwards in some places. And they seem to be doing really well on color and then some of the other stuff that's been mowed just looks off right now. So, mm. And I'm yeah, dealing with, I, of course, seed head hell at the moment too. Oh yeah. That's so. the, it, seed heads are banging right now. Yeah, I, I would be interested and there's really like, I mean, listen, how deep do you want to go in this? Because I can, sh- I mean, I'll tell you the way to, to figure this out. Okay. It'll go out there and we need to do tissue samples, right? That's what I, yeah, to- I was going to say, you're going to, we should do a tissue sample and then figure out what's going yes. on. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, Waypoint should do that. Waypoint. Turf tissue sample. I've never said anything to Waypoint like that, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. So uh, if you want Any specific location, or is it any of them? Any of them. For Waypoint. That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, I think okay. any of them are going to... So plant tissues... There oh, yeah, locations available. Yeah. I, Iowa. That one's so like 30 do, minutes from me. Yeah. I could go drop but, it off uh, in person. Like a real man, like a boss, walking in there and be like, uh, mm-hmm. what are you doing here? And like, I'm here to drop up a soil test. And they're going to be like, this guy's weird. Oh, I've already done that before. <laughs> do, they know, do, you, do, they, do they know you? Are you like Norm at Cheers walking in there to drop stuff off now? Of, of like, course. Ryan! They th- you know, somebody throws you a cold keystone right from the office fridge and you just barehand it, it and bite into it. As it's soon as I walk in the door, it's just, it's thrown across the room. That's how it works. Step. Speaking of the dentist, the, the, the dentist is going to be like, uh, hey, uh, actually, could you stop using your uh, front incisors uh, to uh, crack open the bottom of beer cans and shotgun beers? Appreciate <laughs> that. It's becoming a problem. Yep. Yeah. I've seen yeah. you do it. Not really. I'm taking that up. But Okay. So, um, so in terms of the rest, let, let's even say that part of the color aside, you know what I'm talking about though, in terms of that transition away from a spring 
like a very spring look. And I think the flush part is over here. At least it feels like for the most part it is. I've been really able to keep the front yard in check, which is usually a good indicator for me, even when I don't have a bunch of regulator on. Once it, once it gets past that hump of I'm mowing every other day, but I'm just barely taking off something, I'm like, yeah, okay, I know where we're at now. But that part yeah, is looking I, pretty good. It's just the plots mm-hmm. themselves, they look quite a bit off color from what they were. Yeah, I think it's typical of right after spring flush, you know, and going into seed head time, you're going to see, you know, a drop off in color as the plant expends energy in different parts of the plant, uh, and particular, particularly for that inflorescence or the seed head development. So, not uncommon. And when was the last time you fertilized, by the way? I was going to ask that uh, for the CSI portion. I, well, I just did today, but actually before then, I would say it was probably about four weeks. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. And, and I didn't do anything crazy in the spring. I think I did a little less than a half a pound. Yeah. So I would say that uh, as you come into this time, is it's going to start to want to push a little bit more. And if you are going to keep those irrigated, for sure, just go ahead and make sure that uh, watch the movement of, of that fertilizer too. So, all right. So take me through real quick uh, as you're visualizing the little knoll right above the plots. We talked about this, and I think at one point, well, we talked about a, a number of different options. So just kind of vamp here for a second and uh, you know, tell me what your thoughts were when you first saw this, all the iterations of ideas that have come through your head, and where are we now? <laughs> um, well, I think we are... Today I planted a bunch of annual rye in, in there just to hold things for now so that whatever I come up with in the future, for right now it was getting out of control with a lot of weeds, like a lot of field weeds in there. So I tilled that up. Uh, well, I, I wouldn't really call it a till, but I power raked it today enough to get out most of those. They're pretty shallow plants that were in there. So I got a pretty good, uh, pretty good smooth surface going and I got some annual rye down on there just to hold that in place. But I think for now, I'm probably just going to do some more plots in that area this fall. It, it all depends on the drainage situation because I think you remember when you were there too that some of it gets fairly wet and we have to figure out how to direct some of that water around there to make sure that I'm going to actually be able to utilize that area and not have it just be wet all the time when we get these storms in the summer so that's where i'm at and rd is gone well we'll wait for him to get back here but i think there was a few more questions here Ryan, there's another Ryan in the house. Says, sorry I'm late, so thanks for joining in. Um, anybody else have anything right now? I'm looking through here. I don't think so. Western Mass Turf, thank you so much. Love the new show. Advice for Western Mass Turf. You know, I would say I really don't know a whole lot about Western Mass, so you might have to enlighten us on that one. All right, questions? Any more? 
Let's see. Mm-hmm. What do we got? Oh, all right. Here we go. Rain. We got another one okay. from Rain. Yep. So there I can't find much information on maximum amounts of nutrients you can put down in a certain time period. Max app, max per one application or per week, per month, per season. Any help on that? Man, well, that's man. That's, there's a yeah. There's a lot. To that's a lot. There. Let's just be in general terms, okay? So. I would say maximum in any one application, generally speaking, with a typical fertilizer, would be no more than one pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet in one application. So let's just, as a good rule of thumb, let's start there. Now, as far as how frequently you can apply that, that's going to depend. It's going to depend on the type of grass you have. Uh, soil characteristics, a bunch of other things, right? So uh, to give you a good answer on this question, we would need to know more. However, what I will say is this, is that generally speaking, that one pound rule is a good one to follow if you're fertilizing less frequently, but you should also make sure that you're able to do that given your soil type, right? And given the soil conditions that you have and the grass that you're growing. So a couple things I would uh, encourage you to do that are sort of some deeper dive uh, items. Number one is get a soil test. Uh, and then number two would be, if you're not familiar with the Pace Turf Climate Appraisal Form, go ahead and Google that, Pace Turf Climate Appraisal Form. Go ahead on there, download the Excel spreadsheet, and plug in the numbers that you get from weatherbase.com. Those are going to be your annual rainfall uh, by month, and then also your average high temperature by month, or your average temperature by month, I should say. And what that's going to do is kind of show you how much of each nutrient that your grass is consuming, in theory, based on generalized average weather conditions. Now, certainly, as weather conditions change, you have more rain, higher temperatures, lower temperatures, so on and so forth, that's going to change how much the grass is consuming, uh, unless you modify that in some way, shape, or form, like irrigation, right? So that all being said, it is a really good tool to understand, not necessarily what a textbook will tell you, but more so what's actually happening with your turf. So PACE Climate Appraisal Form, PACE Turf Climate Appraisal Form, Google it, check it out, plug your numbers in, and then if you want to, you can send that over to where RK, and we can take a look at it. Rhinolongcare at gmail.com. Rolls right off his tongue, ladies and gentlemen. So I think when you left, we were were talking about the annual ryegrass thing, and then I said, um, I planted that there just to temporarily put something there that wasn't just all weeds and then what's going to happen in the future with that was just dependent on how much area I have there for plots and how much is going to be uh, or how much I can figure out the drainage to make sure it's not going to be too wet for certain things. Oh yeah. So, you know, I think one of the concerns just in looking at the property, right, was the amount of water that's going to come off that hill right down at the plots, right? So I think what's probably going to be best is when the dozers are out again, and you know, not, to, not I'll tease it a little bit. you got to go back and listen to the last podcast, the last audio format. But while they're there building the golf hole, if that's a if that's a, a, a information uh, bomb for you right now, I'm sorry, but you need to go back and listen to the last cast for sure. Uh, 
but whether there is cutting in a little swale or something that can swing that water out and away from the plots and then down towards the ditch out front. Uh, mm-hmm. Very near where the Bermuda, the future home, or the Bermuda. We should put a sign up. In fact, I thought about this. <laughs> pictured, I pictured, I pictured like one of those wooden signs, you know, they have in like in front of a big, uh-huh. you know, commercial development or something. But it's got to be like real small because the plot's only going to be like 400 square feet. We need to have future home of Bermuda grass, Ryan or lawn care Bermuda grass. I, I can see it. I, right yeah. Here. No, I think that, I mean, as if the people driving by don't already think I'm crazy, they'd be like, what is Bermuda? I don't even. Bermuda is a country. I have no idea what this is. Y'all are going to put an island on your on your land? What are you doing, man? That's not hey, how they talk. Talking about one, that that golf green, though, I had a question yes. about that that we. Oh boy! So, in terms of when they come back out, like you said, to shape yeah. some things, and we were talking yes. about it being built up. What though do I need to think about since I'm going to be adding a lot of sand to build that? Like how many inches of sand are we looking at probably to do it properly? Like, well, okay. So a couple of things, uh, you know, it used to be that the USGA greens construction called for a subgrade that matched the finished grade. You know, so if you had any humps, bumps, everything like that, if you look down in the cavity of the green, it looked exactly the same. And then you just put 12 inches of mix all the way to the top, all the way through everything. So they've actually changed it here just recently within the last, Oh, maybe two, three years where they will allow for variable depth construction, meaning that as you go up on a knob, you can have deeper greens mix. It'll hold water a little bit better. And consequently, as you get into lower areas, you can have less, right, to where it won't hold as much water in those low areas. And so uh, we would definitely utilize variable depth construction for sure. So depending on uh, how the sand tests, and what I mean by that is, uh, I'm going to get a little nerdy here for a second. Uh-huh. So when we when we look at root zone sands, one of the tests that we perform on is what's called a moisture release curve. We put it in under pressure in a vacuum, right, and figure out at what depth does that water break and actually start to drain down through. Um, and so typically you're going to find that anywhere from depending on how much uh, how much organic material and everything like that is in the mix, somewhere between as little as you know six and a half or so inches all the way down to 12 inches. So uh, that's going to be the determining factor. The other thing I think that we would probably do in your case is potentially use uh, a little bit more modified mix than a traditional 90-10, which is 90% sand, 10% uh, reed says peat or some other organic material um, as your stock greens mix. I think we might custom blend something a little bit different that's a little bit more forgiving to take care of uh, overall. So that being said, yeah, in a, let's just say this, this green ends up being six, 8,000 square feet. Let's just say 8,000 square feet. It's a pretty big green, 8,000 square foot green, but we're going to have multiple T's, right? So eight, and we'll just say we have an average depth on this of, let's just say 10 inches when it's all said and done. So eight times 3.2 times 10 times 1.4. So, yeah, we're going to have about uh, somewhere between 360 and 400 tons of greens mix going in there. I was just trying to think as I was looking at it and as, you know, they do come out to shape something, I was trying to think how much it needs to be at the correct level when they do that or is it more like we can finish it 
at certain depths to make it however high we want it to be in the end. I mean, obviously it has to be somewhat close, but I'm saying like, I don't, I won't know the exact probably depth right at that moment when they're shaping things to how high Mm -hmm. I need it or. So that again, that's the, that's why I'm saying this in the background without telling you is why we'd have one, uh, a greens mix. It's a little more forgiving to take care of too. That breaks water a little bit higher in the profile and, consequently um, a little bit easier to shape and work with. And that's one of the things that was always sort of a pain in the butt in golf green construction is that, you know, there was only a certain amount of tolerance, right, that an architect could come out and change the surface. If he, you know, he or she came out and was like, ah, you know what, I want that knob a little bit higher or that bowl to be a little bit lower, something like that. You know, there's only so much they could shave out of there without, you know, compromising the depth, the overall depth of that root zone. And now we know that, you know, you don't necessarily have to do that. And, uh, you know, we put in place some different construction mixes than the typical 90-10 that have helped uh, make that a reality, too. So adding in some different yeah. things like screen topsoil or like uh, some inorganic amendments. Uh, well, one of them, yeah, yeah. So I, I go all day. But long well, story short, we're going to make it easy, to, easy for you to change when the time comes. Okay. You know the soil that I have out there too is fairly it's fairly sandy Same. to begin with. So yep. yeah. Yep. It, it's I think it shouldn't be it's too good, hard to work with, but I I think that would be the first the first stop would be taking the soil that's out there and sending it in. You know, you're gonna need like a one gallon bag full of it. And we'd send it into the lab and say, Okay, hey, what do we have to work with here and what, if anything, could we amend this with to make it uh, a, a high-performance greens mix, right? That's also somewhat uh, maintenance-friendly. Gotcha. Okay. More to think about. I was just, you know, I was wondering how close I needed to get to perfection on the actual, you know, somewhat first grade of it. And it's hard for me to not, it's hard for me to not have a finalized plan that's always like, this is exactly what needs to be done because it's just how I am. I can imagine things, but if I don't see it like a plan that says, put this spot right here to 12 inches deep, then I'm just like, well, I don't really know what it needs to look like. You're more of a chef than a baker is what you're trying to tell me. You know, you don't, sure. you, you don't want to follow, you don't need to follow the recipe exactly and then get your hand slapped if you use, you know, an eighth of a cup more of whatever. You know, you want to be the guy that's, you know, just putting in a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, maybe dipping the spoon in there, you know. and Well, I wouldn't mind the it. recipe either if it was an exact, like, the recipe is sitting out at my property and it says, here, this is exactly what you do, but we don't have that. We have a blank canvas. So that's where my mind goes a little bit too crazy. And I'm like, I don't get this. I don't, I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Well, I can tell you this is that uh, when, when the time does come, the folks whose number I gave you, which we won't share on air because we don't want to out them, but they will definitely, uh, they, they could be the ones to help us do this. Because it, it also yeah. applies to on the uh, sports side, same, very, very similar things for sure. Mm-hmm. We had a, another super chat from Josh said, will you ever, I think, need a triplex or a ride on real mower? Ooh. Yes. I, I, well, I'm probably going to be going with the reels on the Venn track to start with. It's probably what's going to happen. And that might be 
sooner rather than later. We'll see. I mean, like maybe late, late this fall, but we'll, we'll find out. Hmm. After, after I seed, like we've been talking, like an acre and a half of bluegrass and want to shoot myself. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be, there, there, there will be uh, multiple calls, texts, and other forms of reaching out that I'm sure that you'll call and say, why the hell did I do X? Uh-huh. And I'll have to just remind you that, yeah, hey, it's all part of the plan. And, uh, you know, there's still, there's like nine other things on that list that you'll be questioning why the hell did I do this that still need to be done yet, right? So Yeah. I was thinking about this today too in my endless amounts of time that I was walking seeding annual ryegrass because I don't have a a spreader behind my ATV so I walked all of it. But uh, uh, you know, I'm trying to come up with a reasoning as to why I'm not going to do ryegrass since I'm like the ryegrass you know, world's largest proponent. But annual ryegrass matters too. No, I'm saying for the for the golf area. Oh, yeah. I need to come up with a good be... reason. Okay, so what was your reason? Did you you haven't come up with one yet? Well, I was going to say that. I mean, you and I talked about a bit more, maybe a bit easier with the bluegrass on irrigation management. It may be a bit easier, like the cut of it probably will be slightly nicer than some of the, the issues that I have with ryegrass from time to time, trying to get it Agreed. To cut really nicely. Agreed. So I, I, I those were going to be think, my initial things. I think overall, uh, for what you want to do and the adaptability of bluegrass to a variety of situations, I think that is going to be your best bet. I think there's going to be moments where you curse it. I mean, I think in, uh, and I think this will be a really crucial point to talk to your seed folks and say, okay, here's the situation. I'm gonna, I'd like to plant a, potentially a mono stand and have it look good at you know inch and three quarters to two inches in the rough, all the way down to you know say nine sixteenths or something like that in the fairway, so to speak. And a couple of the things that we'd be really concerned with would be number one, probably like summer patch performance, and number two would be seed heads, because uh-huh. you don't. It, that's the one thing. If you go with a mono stand, you can't hide. There's nowhere to hide on either of those no. things, right? So that that's my only concern on the mono stand thing. But we do it all the time. Like we we do it in golf, um, in particular, where. Uh, very seldom, a little bit more on fairways sometimes, just because of the economics and things like that. But generally speaking, it's one grass, uh, one cultivar, and that's what gets seeded on, you know, fairways mm-hmm. or tees or greens or a combination of those things. So, well, uh, I don't think for someone as I crazy think- as I am about just the the way that it looks like the mono stand thing at my house here has sort of ruined me in that situation because just like Connor's dealing with right now, he sees every little thing that isn't the same color and it isn't the same texture. But over here on that side of my house where I see one type of grass and you're right, like it does have consistent seed head and there's certain things that you need to look at, but the consistency when it's mowed looks like an absolute just canvas of grass that it has nothing else contaminated but not saying that it won't have anything else in it but you know what i'm saying i get it in 
the, the um it's like anything we talk about with this grass like is when do you want it to peak you know when do you want it to look its best and then how wide is that window is that a two-week span is that a 10-week span you know what does that look like in understanding it so again uh my big thing would just be you know i know you've got some of those plots out there right now but getting something in the ground as quickly as possible and trying to see what can be done with these grasses. What, you know, we got a little bit of time here before the golf hole comes. Not a long time, but a little bit. And, uh, yeah, when that comes to pass, at least have the answer and look and point and say, I like that one. Let's go with it. Right. Uh So it's going to be an interesting choice for sure. And I think this is going to be one where you'll, you'll, uh, realize the benefit of the the partners that you have in the seed world to really ask a lot of tough questions. And I don't mean like you're going to beat them up. It's just more of, okay, here's what I want to do. You have a use case where this I can see this or I can talk to somebody mm-hmm. that's been through this. Yeah. And they're probably going to be like, no, Nor, you're the first one to do it because <laughs> yeah. you're a crazy son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, knock on wood too. I really have not had many problems with summer patch on any of my bluegrass uh, low cut stuff here at my house. Not saying that the different conditions out there are going to be, you know, they, I might run into something, but so far I've been pretty good on that side of it. So, <laughs> so far so good. Yeah. One, one step yep. at a time. Western mass uh, turf here. He oh. had, said, I have a customer mowed midday in the heat and drought conditions on fine fescue. I have him watering hard in the morning. Any products to help? Less is more on fine fescue, especially in the heat. And RK, I do know this. I've got a couple of buddies in Massachusetts, not Western Mass, uh, a little closer to Boston. And we we do now have our our resident mass hole here in uh, Jesse Bousquet. So... Welcome to the program. Uh, less is more on fine fescue as it is. And when you press the drought button and the stress button, there's nothing that tells me that we should be applying anything. So I think the watering is fine, you know. Um, but if it's a, especially if it's a mature and otherwise healthy stand, I think it's going to snap back no problem. I mean, that is a survivor grass. You think about Think about where fine fescue has come from, right? Like the shores of Europe in sand yeah. in just, you know, terrible soil. It is a poverty grass. It is truly a grass that's planted in poverty sites where there's not a whole lot of anything. And somehow for, you know, like eons, it has survived. So, you know, uh, customer screws up, goes a little low. I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah, I'm loving that over in that shade area. Just it's not getting that same stress either over there that it would being out in the sun. And so I've always really wanted to experience that where I had something that could grow well in the shade, but also then if it is going well in the shade, anytime it gets water over there, like we've been having pretty consistent rain once a week, something like that. And I will will go down there and I'm like, holy cow, this thing is like needs to be mowed again. So, and I haven't added much yeah. to it whatsoever. I I think seriously, like, uh, you know, you know, when you go to sell 
like a house or whatever and they put those like gimmicky little signs like underneath the reality sign like spacious backyard or uh mm-hmm. you know update updated lower level they can't call it the basement by the way they, they won't do that anymore it's updated lower mm-hmm. level um you know the the thing it will say when they go to sell your property and put on the reality sign will be perfect spot for fine fescue now they're gonna have to make this sign you know it's it's not probably not gonna be something they have and just slide out but they should make that sign because it is the perfect spot for fine fescue it's just it's and it will, it. it will go right next to the sign that says bermuda coming soon oh yeah right well and then if sign. you if if you're if you're a loyal podcast listener a, a loyal one that can listen back and remember i thought in my original visions because sometimes like uh an rk knows especially since you know when i visit the property i had several of these premonitions right but just like sometimes i can just visualize stuff i just see it and before, I don't know if it was like right when you first bought the property, but I had pictured the neon sign that said girls, 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 but instead it said turf, 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 yes. you know, right across there. $5 a car to park and come check it out. You know, whatever you want to do. Uh, maybe we'll do like a putt-putt course. <laughs> that, I think, did you talk to me about that? No, real quick. Did you talk to me about the, the tweet? There's a guy out in uh, Colorado. Sean McHugh is his name. The putting course that they just installed, like on the top of the, the mountain there at the club, just yeah, over Denver. Yeah, we were talking. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that could be an interesting situation. Instead of the fairway, just have a a big putting course right down through there. That, could that be would fun. yeah, that would be pretty fun. Uh, but you know, well, it's all think, in good we'll time. Kick, we'll kick it around. We'll kick it around. Yeah, we'll kick it around. Well, that way nobody's getting you know you know nobody's shanking a nine iron and busting the windshield on a truck or. You know, top yeah. on the ball and it comes back and hits you in the nuts. I've seen somebody do that before one time. I saw a golfer on the golf course top a shot on a par three and the ball literally went right back into his stones. Crumpled him on the floor. Everybody, I'm talking like everybody. There's probably like four workers, the three guys he was playing with, everybody laughing hysterically at this guy. He's like <laughs> bent over in agony and pain. And everybody's about ready to wet their pants laughing. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But anyway, I digress. That's the worst. I had a friend oh. out there this weekend and he was, he was, you know, asking me about the vision. And I was like, I have this other friend who does turf stuff and he, he's really bad for me because, you know, he's got this master grand plan already. He's like, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, he was like, what, what kind of electrical are you putting in? Because we're going to need Musco lighting and all this other <laughs> stuff eventually. And <laughs> he's like, yeah, I don't think your neighbors are going to like that too much. No, they're hey, they're LED. There's no light spill. Like I think this is good, and they're uh, a fairly local company, right up the road. They're in uh, good old Oskaloosa, Iowa. They are, yep. Yeah, shipping costs would be super cheap, you know. Yep. So, all right, what? Uh, okay, so we talked about all that stuff. Um, trying to think if there was any other pictures to get to, and then we had a few. yeah. There's one more. There's one more topic I have, but we'll get to a couple all questions right. here. Yeah. So we had. Will you ever? Okay, so the customer. Oh, here's one. Mr. Adams is back. He did purchase the T zone, by the way. Which, Mr. Adams, I think you're going to be a very happy man here in a couple of weeks. Yes. Please come back and report back the results of that. Just make sure you're calibrated really well in your sprayer. Uh, you got everything dialed in, and you're mindful of the temperature. So, Mr. Adams has asked us, "Can y'all break down Milo Barney style?" Which, if you're 
uh, not of a certain age. You don't know what Barney is. He was a big purple dinosaur that sang annoying songs, uh, poisoned children's mind with uh, all kinds of different sayings and everything like that. But he kept it simple, and he was a real G when he did it. So we'll do that here for Mr. Adams. He wants to know why everybody's using this stuff. What is it all about? So, RK, why don't you go first, and let's take a stab at Why don't you take uh, Mr. Adams through your relationship, be it good or bad, with Milo? How mm-hmm. did it start, and how's it going? Well, I think for beginners, it's a pretty good option in terms of something that you can spread, and you don't necessarily have to be absolutely perfect on your rate as you're learning your spreader or learning how to calibrate or something like that. So I think that's probably where a lot of the beginners come in. But the problem with, I'm not saying that it doesn't work because it does work. Uh, You know, I saw pretty good results from it. But at the same time, as you continue to throw down so much phosphorus over time, if you already have a lot of that in your soil or you continue to go crazy with it, you may see some some things long term that don't work so great with that, and that's where I started to get more into my soil testing and learning what nutrients I really needed. Um, obviously, there's no potassium in that product, and so a lot of people got to that point where they're just using that solely. There's no potassium going down, and might be definitely something that you actually need. So that's kind of my journey with it. I would say once or twice a year here in a certain situation, I would still have no problem using that product. But as my main staple of something, it just doesn't really fit into what I need soil wise. Good takes. Good, 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 good analysis there. So, uh, no pun intended actually. So the, uh, the situation with Milo, let's, let's, let's break it down Barney style here. So what is it? Right, it is a byproduct of uh, dewatered sewage sludge that comes from the Milwaukee Sewerage District. It's been around for a long, long time. It's very safe. There's no worries about like you know bacteria, fecal matter, any of that kind of stuff. Right, so they they have a very tried and true process that they use, and quite honestly, it's been replicated all over the country. Right, to use uh, the same processes, practices, procedures, everything like that. Uh, what you'll find is based on the locality of where some of the stuff is coming from. It varies just a little bit uh, from place to place in terms of its overall nutrient content. Now, uh, with what um, the folks there in Milwaukee have done, it's it's been very, very consistent for the last oh, four or five decades now. And uh, what you see is what you get when it comes to your nitrogen and your phosphorus. So as RK alluded to, the first thing would be is if you don't need phosphorus uh, and based on a soil test, right, there's absolutely no reason to apply this particular product. Um, reason being is that once we get above a critical value of phosphorus of you know, anywhere from as low as, say, I'll go ahead and comfortably say uh, 25 or so parts per million, uh, you're going to be A-OK on phosphorus if you're using a Malik 3 extractant. So like the typical soil test um, extract that they would use and tell you how much you have in there. So back to Barney style here is... This particular product gives a good, if not great, color response. Uh, the, the plus side there is that, yeah, it makes stuff look banging. makes it look great. The thing is, is there might be stuff that you don't need, again, vis-a-vis the phosphorus. The other uh, issue that can come into play is that that product is about 40% quick-release nitrogen, about 60% slow-release. So 
you know, you're putting it down in such rates, uh, you know, somewhere between say half, half a pound, three quarters of a pound, depending on who you listen to. And I've seen people go upwards of a pound or more in an application and just go crazy high, stupid rates. Uh, it's definitely to the point there where you're, you're, you're throwing a lot of nitrogen at something very quickly, which may or may not have a detrimental effect. And the other thing too, is that you need to use this to see the full benefit of it at times where the soil temperatures are higher because you need microbial activity. So there's, you know, small microbes, organisms that live in the soil that munch on this stuff, pee and poop it out. And that's what makes the nitrogen plant available. So that all being said, if you're using it in colder months, I've seen people do that, like where they're trying to prime the soil or something like that early in the spring or late in the fall. Uh, that's bunk. You're, you're, all that water-soluble nitrogen is just going to go bye-bye right, uh, right in, a run, in a runoff situation or leaching situation. So when should you use this? Uh, you can make an app of it in the summer and be fine. Uh, the only thing to be aware of is that 60% or so that is uh, slow release you know, you don't control that. That's all controlled by soil temperature and water, right? So if you're irrigating, it's going to uh, mineralize and become plant available faster. Or if you're getting a lot of rainfall, same thing. And the hotter you are, uh, as far as air temperature and soil temperature, that's also going to increase the rate of mineralization. So I've seen situations, you know, let's just put this in context, where uh, that product or a similar product, not just milorganite, but a similar product has been applied. You get a ton of rain and or a ton of heat. And, you know, what was supposed to last eight to 10 weeks, four weeks later, after you have bailed this shit in your front or side or backyard or whatever, um, you get problems. So all that being said, I think there are uh, uses for it if you're low in, low in phosphorus, number one. Number two, uh, a situation where you are okay with sort of riding that line of, you know, that you're in a, a climate where you're not going to get a ton of rain or a ton of heat all at once and uh you don't have no you have no issues with that or if you're just a uh masochist and you want to mow two or three times a week from uh spring through labor day there's some people like that not judging at all i don't mind that so yeah uh that's that's the barney style breakdown we could go much deeper much longer but uh, that's a good place to start so if you're looking at using that product uh, just just dabble don't be, you know, just be a recreational user. Don't, 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 it, it can become habit forming and that's not good with anything. Okay. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. It, it, it will do great on iOS got really good color response out of it, especially at the right times of year, like you said, but also I was always lacking my uh, potassium part there and I would start to run into some different things, especially disease-wise, that wasn't really helping me too much by not having any of that in there. So, just just my experience. But uh, let's look here. We got Irvin. See, he asked, "Are you familiar with grass pad fertilizer plan?" Mm, I uh, yeah, I, I, I know the grass pad uh, is. I've had several people ask me about this in the past. It is a uh, a retail location, I, I'm not sure if it's one or multiple, but uh, in the Kansas City area. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah, they've got several locations right around the... Uh, they've got one in Omaha, by golly, RK. Road trip. All right, so I'll send this over and let J-Pink throw this up. 
And I've not really delved too deeply or looked too much into this little program that they've put together, but uh, let's take a look. Let's let's take it apart. And uh, anybody that calls their place a pad is all right with me, you know? All right, Uncle's Idiot Proof Lawn Fertilizer Program. I already like it already because of the title. You know, they're not too pretentious. They realize that uh, there are idiots out there fertilizing their grass, and they need help too. So recognizing that and admitting that there's a problem is a start. This guy's hat, I like it. Looks good. Keeps the sun off the neck. Good stuff there. All right, so let's see here. March and April, we want Very you to go similar. ahead. Very and- similar. Yeah, looks very similar yeah. right off the bat to just a like a four-step. Yeah, so we got the uh, pre-emergent going out in the spring, okay? We've got the Hoyden feed going out there, uh, prickly lettuce, they mentioned. Curled dock, not curly dock, all right? And then, let's see here, crabgrass preventer again. So they're doing a split app here on your crabgrass preventer. Probably not a bad idea in the Kansas City area, given the... Uh, the pressure that you all are under. Renovator. This is nitrogen fertilizer, a combination of slow and quick release. It can also be used, so I'm guessing that's got, we'll, we'll check that out here. And then Snowman. Winter Root Builder. All right, let's click on the, the Renovator. Can we, does it give us any information on that? I'm trying to click on it on my screen, but then I realize that JPink is in total control right now. Weird. <laughs> Had a moment there. Uh, does it give us, Iron and sulfur. Does it give us a uh, oh here 30, we go. A thirty oh three. Yeah, oh thirty oh three. Uh yeah. So I'm gonna say there's nothing wrong with this. I mean I think it's a very, you know, basic type of program. The weed and feed, you know, I would be curious to know what the uh, prill size on that or what the SGN size guide number of the prills is right to to know if we're going to get good contact on our broadleaf weeds to actually have control. Uh, does it tell us anything about that features and benefits? Oh no. Oh no. Okay. Yeah. Larger pellet size. There you go. The bigger the weed leaf, the easier the target. Yeah. But what about the little guys? I, I, okay. Yeah. What's uh, what's the Bill Lumber quote from Office Space? Mm, I'm gonna have to go ahead and uh, disagree with you there. <laughs> that Peter Gibbons. I mean, overall, like you said, all of them. It's I don't think it's, it's, it's bad, but it's there's you know there's various easy ways to customize your program. I don't I don't think that it's too difficult to do, but that that would be totally fine for most people starting out. I agree. I I think it's a good start. It, you know, it would be. Um, Realize that there will be some limitations to it and then get through that first year. And if you're okay with it and you're, you're happy with where you're at, it's a fine program to follow. Nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here trying to, to crap on it. I think the, uh, the thing to do would be after that first season is you know figure out where your struggles or your pain points might be and then adjust and maybe you can add. That's the other nice thing about that is that it's so basic. And I don't mean that in a negative way. It's so basic that you can add additional layers to it and be even more successful if your uh, expectations are higher or unmet at that yep. point. Uh, Lawnvolution was here before. He says, oh. good evening from the Buckeye State. I know that we got to meet RC him in fan. person 
last year. That was that, fun. Yeah, that that was a that was a special moment. The guy drove four ish hours to come see us, and he had he worked that day, and he had to go to work the next day at like five o'clock in the morning. So he literally just left work, drove down, saw us, hung out, partied, drove right back, went to work. So responsible, God bless like, not like hammered or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's he's super good guy, super good guy. So. All right. What else? We, we had another. We had another new member. I don't know if I'm. You can try to pronounce that. I think it's Fussball uh, Stadion. Stadion. Yeah. Stadion. Yeah. I'm just gonna call him so Fussball Stud Muffin. Fussball Stud Muffin. <laughs> thank you very much sh- for for joining sh- us here. And of course, Sean Smith showed up and said, "Bring on the Bermuda. You aren't ready, nor." Oh yeah. come on, Sean. You're not. You know. You're not really helping. At least he's not overseeding common Bermuda into vegetative Bermuda. You got to give him that, right? He's mm-hmm. he's going to do it the right way here. He's going to do it the right yep. way. Matthew Cole right. said, hi, guys. Looking to upgrade to a battery-powered backpack sprayer. Any recommendations for 6,000 square foot area? Ooh. Uh, uh, well, I mean, there's plenty of them you, out you, there. You, yeah, you're more well-researched on this topic. Go ahead. Uh, so yeah, just personal experience. I've had my sprayers plus for three or four seasons, I think, and really enjoy that one. There's only, there's a weird kind of design with it too, so that sometimes it's difficult to get the absolute last little bit of water out of there. But other than that, I haven't had any major problems with it. And actually a friend of mine has one too, and said that they ended up having some weird quirk thing go on with a, a pump and customer service was really good. They got them a new one right away. It was even out of warranty and they decided to cover that. So I don't know. I can't ask more much for much more than that in my opinion. So I, I like that sprayer, but there's plenty of them out there. The I do have a Chapin one too, but I would just personally, I've had some issues with those in the past that I just don't necessarily recommend that one, but that's about it. Mm. Ooh. Little little hard talk there from RK. I uh, this yep. this is an area that I I really need to get educated on, and I know it is you know one of those things where uh, a lot of them have like it, it does all this stuff good, but and then there's like always one little thing, right? There's one thing that somebody's like, ah, it doesn't do this. So um, I I actually need to get one. Um, for some work stuff, for some plot work that we've got going on, uh, that I'll, I'll probably share some about in our uh, our next yeah. audio episode. That'll be fun. You know, yeah, there's I, one I too that our friend, uh, our good friend Rob has that has like a metronome built in, so that you can walk at a certain speed. You can like you what? once you get it calibrated, it actually like clicks so that you can walk at your speed. That sounded. I don't remember what the brand is, but that one sounded interesting to me. Um, but like the thing that I also liked about the sprayers was that it easily, uh, you can put the T-Jet nozzles right into it without any oh, adapter really? or anything. Yep. That, that's, so. that's interesting. So mm-hmm. I think the, uh, uh, <laughs> I would like to see number one is always just, uh, uniformity, right? So. And there's there's things I can do like I I I wish I had the time to you know put a uh, green dock style 
uh, Trident or you know the, the whole setup he has. Like I would love to do that. I might just like pay somebody to build one of those for me because I don't have the time. But I do think that there's some there's some merit to uh, you know the type of materials that we're going to put through there. So that's one thing that I'm always curious about is like if we are you know melting in ammonium sulfate or doing uh, wettable powders and things like that for some of the fungicide treatments that we would do to these plots. What does that do to the pump? Reliability, short, long-term, you know, efficacy and product uh, companionship within that tank. Is that is that an issue or not? So uh, I have full uh, expectation that we will probably break a few before we decide on one. <laughs> That's just kind of... <laughs> I, 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 I think there's going to be several times where I'm just like, this son of a... Duh. Just and just get rid of it, get something else. So, but I will try and do yeah. uh, research because I know a lot of people out there have tried many different brands. I've seen a lot of posts and videos and things like that over the years. So, I just gotta, I gotta instead of dipping my toe in the pool, RK, just gotta tear my shirt off and jump in. No, I mean if you wanted to go all out, obviously, like the Green Dock way would be the best. But speaking of Green Dock, he just happened to join in right now. So well, how about Ray is that? here. Ray is. I think he here. knew we were talking about him. He smelled us. He's probably, <laughs> he said, he's "I heard good. Trident." <laughs> no, he he probably is like, "If you scalp that Zeon Zoysia, I will come back." Ah, uh, he heard Trident. So okay. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh, l- listen, Aldo says RD the right way. I feel attacked. It's just because uh, Aldo. Mm-hmm recently used uh, an improved common Bermuda grass to seed his lawn in Southern California. And so, hey, you do you be, all right? I know how I like to do it. not calling yep. you wrong. You, gotta, you, know what, you know what you need to do? And I said this earlier on the Discord, which if you're not, go ahead and check that out, uh, lawndiscord.com, fun place to hang out and play with us. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the... Uh, he sent a picture of it earlier today, and I looked at it, and you gotta, you got to feed that thing. I mean, you got to step on the gas. So hopefully uh, he heeded uh, what little regard he holds my advice in and, and went out there and did it today. We'll see. Only time yeah. will tell. Only time will tell. There was so, one more okay. question here. said, do you think you can make a video, this is RK, on pre-germinating yep. grass seed this fall? That's just all the rage this year. So, you know, I'll... I'll probably try to do that. Yeah. Uh, Spin Martin, who does the Pro Turf Talks server, has a really good. Uh, there was a video. I can't remember if that was like TikTok or Instagram or something like that he did. That was really cool about that. But I think it would be interesting uh, for you to do it in your own special way, RK, because, you know, the way that you put together the uh, the details and the cinematography, everything like that, I think would behoove everybody and uh we'll uh we'll chat spin up and, and go through his tried and true process because it works like the dude's wildly successful with it it works so no need to read yeah, that would the be wheel. my we'll thing is film the wheel yeah that would be my thing is just not that i feel like i'm gonna mess it up but with the way seed is and on all that you definitely don't want to do something that doesn't go well with the way seeds going so yeah yeah, one thing at a time. One thing at a time. All right, the other topic, the other picture that I had oh, was boy. 
I I told my wife this yesterday. I said I wish I could plant grass and it would look similar to when it's fairly young and not super thick mature yet and stay almost at that way. The reason is is that I quickly run into a problem and this is the picture that I'm going to show you is that we're what it's May 30th today. Look at how thick this grass is. And I'm starting to get to a point where it's not growing upwards anymore. It's just growing into itself. And mm-hmm. my mower is starting to tell me too, like, mm, you might want to think about something here. So, that, you know, knowing where we're at in season, knowing where things are, um, this is obviously my real mode. Uh, this is the blue ryegrass mix, which as part of the problem is the the rates probably were not exactly the way I would do it in the future, but here we are. Okay. So are we thinking like cultural practices or what? What are we? Uh, I, I'm we just, if here? you look at that and you say, okay, what would you do texture wise or what would you do to it? We're, this is what you always say. We're, we're well beyond like the basics. We're to the level that is most people would look at this grass and say, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it, but I'm looking at it like, <laughs> how do I damage this in order to fix it somehow? Oh, man. Um, so what I would say is uh, this is a good scenario for the uh, scarifier, or not, excuse me, not scarifier, but the verticutter on the... Uh, on the swordman, if you got okay. that still available, I think you're they have okay a to go too now. Uh, I don't know that you could groom. What's the height of cut on this? Three quarters. You could try the groomer. I don't know if you could set the groomer and balance it deep enough to have enough torque to get through this. So I would use the groomer on the back end of this, meaning uh, throw the scarifier cassette on there. Run it through one time and see what you get. Obviously, you're going to have a ton of material to clean up. Go ahead and get that out of there. And then I, I'm, I'm curious. You're talking the have... one that's like, it's more of like the dethatcher one or the one that's more like blades, like a vertical blade. Uh, yeah. Blades with a Z, actually. Because they have the, and I'll show you a picture, but the one that I have is like, it's not a traditional what you would think for a verticutter on like Bermuda where the blades are real tight together. There's quite a bit of space in between it. There is. Yep. Uh, let me see. Yeah, you know what I've I'm got. It. I'm about. looking at. Yeah, I know. Yeah, here I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, let me send it to Jay Pink so he can look at it real quick. So show it to the masses here. So let's see. Pull that up. Yeah. So go down. Go down. So here's the verticutter on the right hand side of the page. You're probably looking at what, like two and a half, three inches in between each one of those blades. And then down here yeah. you have the scarifier, which is more like a dethatching rake, like a powery dethatching rake. I don't know how well you can adjust the um, aggressiveness of this particular implement. You can do it. Mean? Yeah, you can. You can kind of so either comb or you can get into more of like a soil layer type of thing. But so, so if you can, if you can adjust that scarifier piece, then I would start with that before I got to this. My goal would be to to be as 
least disruptive to the canopy and the surface as you possibly can while still maintaining that uh that whole idea behind um you know just just thinning out and getting some better texture to get that stuff to grow upright so mm-hmm. definitely definitely something that uh you ought to look into and i'd be curious i yeah. i think hey listen you're gonna sell the house just do half the line with the scarifier and half the line with the verticut yeah i could why not or a couple passes just a couple passes this should be yeah. yeah this should be your, your your break stuff time you know like all right. Well, that's what I was saying. Oh. I'm going to do sand and everything right now. Is because I know that's not? what I'm saying. Is like, yeah. This is, there's there's absolutely no question that this is go zone for you. You need to. But even when it comes to my fescue in the backyard, which you saw, um, I mean, we're, it just gets to a point where everything that I do, just because it's, I mean, I'm not abusing it. I'm not, unless I'm doing it on purpose, but you know, there's really not a lot of traffic. There's, there's nothing going on that thins the lawn whatsoever. It just gets to, no matter what I plant, everything gets to a point where I'm like, this is almost too thick. Hmm. Yeah. Even Uh, taller grass, you you know? Yeah. Well, and I think that's the thing is like using those tools and really dialing in and figuring out what you can do with them, especially time of year. I think that will be a key component small turn you know small picture right now and then uh you know bigger picture once we start to get a little bit bigger than a swordman with you know start to yeah. get some yep. some big time stuff some big time stuff yeah all right let's take a few more questions here we just had a new member thank you danny for joining us here he has a question good evening gentlemen question regarding moss again Fighting mossy spot along a tall pine tree line. Full sun until about 2 p.m. and then it's shaded the rest of the time. Trees, uh, six foot mulch with border and then lawn. And he follow up, he says, seems like grass in that spot never matures, always thin and struggling. I have thatched that spot. It helps, but moss keeps coming back. PH is 6.7 as of last soil test. And he has turf type tall fescue. Well, I mean, my first thinking overall personally would be it may just be too shady for that grass, maybe, but yeah, it's hard to say. RD? He had to step away real fast. Okay. So what I'm thinking is for that, I mean, obviously you do as much as you can with thinning that out so that you get as much sun down to that line as you possibly can. But then you may just want to look into more of like what I'm doing in terms of my shade testing and go after a grass that just does better. I mean, the fescue shouldn't do poorly there, but at the same time, it has a tolerance for shade, but not drastic amounts of shade. So it just might be a grass type thing. And then otherwise, the other thing you can do is sometimes you just have to unfortunately think that some areas just need to not be turf and i know that sounds weird but sometimes it is the best option in terms of looking at an area that you just continue to struggle with if you're not willing to do a different grass type like a fine fescue because it will look different than the rest of the lawn um then you know it might be an area that you just decide to do some sort of mulching for that majority of that spot or some sort of shade plants you know something like that so that would be kind of where I'm at on that whole deal, I would say. 
see if we have any other questions. I think we pretty much got to everything else so far. Izzy wanted to know, he said, great videos. Do you ever come to New Jersey for a meetup? Okay. Uh, Well, thank you very much. I have never been to New Jersey, I don't believe. Actually, I don't think I've ever been anywhere on the East Coast. So someday, I'm sure I will probably make it there. Oh, let's see. Anything else? Um, Well, while RD is waiting to come back. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, I didn't find the exact model, but I know Palmer had a jack toe, or however you pronounce it, uh, backpack sprayer with that metronome built into it. Okay. Yeah, I I would really like to give that a try. I just think it would be be interesting. Um, Just because even after you spray quite a bit and you get used to it, I feel like your rate is always either slightly off or just, it's close, but it's never right on. So me, especially being musical too would would be able to follow that beat pretty well so that that would be interesting uh but while rd is waiting to come back and we're getting towards the end of the show here just want to mention one more time that if you want to become a member here and participate in these live streams go ahead go over to my channel should be a join button i know some people on ios it's not going to show up on the mobile app for youtube so you need to go to the actual uh internet browser and put that in and then you will see the join button over there and you can join us here and chat with us and also ask your questions. So we, we greatly appreciate all the support. want to make sure that we're uh, getting to everybody here on these live streams and that just helps to make sure that it's very focused with the members. So, uh, Danny had a follow-up here. What about your Turf Titel Fescue Bluegrass Mix? Um. You know, I haven't done extensive shade testing with that to know exactly how tolerant it is. So most of all the stuff that I'm doing with that turf type tall fescue is out in the sun. Now the shade, the fine fescue stuff is, I mean, amazing, doing really great considering where it was, I mean, last fall to right now, I'm extremely pleased with that, but it will look different than a uh, like a turf type tall fescue. It has a much finer blade to it. So it just depends on what your look is that you're going for. Some people don't mind having somewhat of a mix in certain areas and some people don't like that whole overall look. So that all depends. RD is back. So I just was kind of wrapping up a few things and doing some of the, the housekeeping as we get into towards the end of the show here. Did you have anything else that you wanted to touch on tonight? Ooh. Nope, uh, just need some dry weather, some warm weather, and uh, keep some of these projects moving forward. Yeah, it is uh, is the time to get uh, get shit done, as they say, and uh, hopefully there's enough time and opportunity to get all that work in. But keep you updated. It's going to be uh, an action-packed next uh, like three or four weeks, especially. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll talk more on the next audio cast. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing here. I mean, I like it to be raining because obviously I don't want to be irrigating as much if I don't have to. But at the same time, they are waiting to get some drier weather to start building our house, too. So mm. it's a it's a bit of a, you know, dilemma there. So Yeah. Moving some hoses and having a place to live. Not all bad things. Either are. Yeah. <laughs> but it's looking 
I'll keep you updated on how I'm going to destroy my lawn with all of this renovation that I'm deciding oh. to do in June 1st. But I can't wait to see what's on the menu. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing you with like all these, you know, different cultural practices and different things you can do. And I just want to know, you know, what's that last event going to be? What's going to be the blowout where we, you know, destroy the lawn and its final iteration. And then, you know, like I said, sod with tall fescue or something like that. Put it back together for the next homeowner. I'm thinking like um, mud wrestling. I mean, can we do that? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Mud wrestling. Um, what's the most Iowa thing? Like a frog race or something like that. Like, there's got to be something. We'll, we'll figure it out. No, figure I would. It out. This hasn't happened. I mean, I have not seen this around Des Moines, but I know in Northwest uh-huh. Iowa, it is riding down the river in like cow troughs or you know like a watering device that you just get in and ride down the river and get hammered yeah yeah tubing yeah. Yeah, you see, yeah. i've been tubing on the river before or brewing. that's those would be good things uh jay pink suggested a lawn tractor pool right i think mm-hmm. listen i think we should take it all the way back to college i think we should have and if you're listening i hope you are right now put those those listening ears on keystone light we should have the Keystone Light Beer Olympics at RK's house. After he's in the new place and before this closes, trash the lawn, and then everybody, as they're hammered, can saw the lawn. We'll have it all done right there. One shot. Well, People I'm still waiting to see. Under the influence of running power equipment. Who's actually going to be the purchaser? Because it could be someone who actually enjoys the turf and they, they want to keep it the way that it is, but it might not be. You never know. Oh. That's gonna be a it's gonna be a weird conversation, no matter what. Like when when that time comes and just between like real estate agents at first and then you know, as it goes on from there, because I can see some people seeing it as a, a like put off like the hell is this like what's going on and other people being yeah. extremely excited about it uh albeit not knowing what they're walking into uh so some interesting well times. and has, i has, here's, a, here's the thing that people always ask me or they're always like this yard of yours is going to deter people from buying your house and i'm like you do realize that you can just let it grow back to two inches if you want and it's just regular Very grass so. there's nothing specific about that so for now um for now yeah oh man so there was there was one other thing here toby did send in those soil tests uh okay so let's see see. there's jping it is kind of it is kind of small but we'll do our best to read that not too bad. Yeah. So again, with this being a mycelial test, grain of salt, right? That uh, what the values mean relative to reference values that we have for turf, I can't really tell you. Uh, a couple of things here: uh, the sodium. So um, this could be in your water. I'm assuming that you're irrigating if you're in Denver, most likely. Uh, and the thing that you'll have to watch out for is if you go through periods of um, drought, right, or or uh, a lack of rainfall, that sodium from your irrigation water could build up in your soil, right? So 
Could be an opportunity here, RK. What's the lawn care supply company product that helps out with bicarbs and salts? Fresh that would memory. be Fixer. Talk to me about Fixer. Well, that's that's going to help break down some of those things in the soil. Also, with your, you know, this is the other thing that I need to get into, RD, is I need to get into the, uh, what the heck is it called? When you apply apply your fertilizer and all that stuff through the actual irrigation water. Fertigation? Like the liquids. Yeah, that's what I need to get into because I would love um, to be putting that, that stuff out. You can, Yeah, that stuff's okay to go through there. That's true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> this this is going to get expensive, RK. But you know what? I'm not. We're not worried about that right now. We're I'm not, not talking at the new place. I'm saying, you know, on my plots, I can oh. probably handle it. Or yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was saying. We can get a small. You can get like a dosatron or something small, and use it on individual areas. So we will we will set that up accordingly. So back to to Toby's question is. Uh, you know, make sure that, uh, and it sounds kind of counterintuitive, but lighter and more frequent irrigation events are going to build up that sodium more and more and more, assuming that it's coming from your water. And in that case, you're going to want to do uh, a heavier watering to try and flush through as much of that sodium as possible. Very uh, soluble element right in the soil. So that's going to help you out. But uh, again, using some of the, uh, the products out there, like Fixor, there's others out there, certainly. Uh, that's just the one that pops into mind, and I know. So I would check that out for sure. And trying to time that up with a rain event or a heavy irrigation event that you have pre-planned uh, and ready to go out with. Got it. Uh, there was also, was there a second part to that, J-Pink? Oh, no, that was just the graph. Never mind. Just the graph. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So... I think we covered all of the questions as far as I could see. And well, hey, that I will go ahead and pronounce it, RK. That was a very successful uh, first dive into the member stream. We had a lot of folks that joined, a lot of folks that uh, sent us some love, and we appreciate that. And uh, look, you know, we look at this as just an extension of the audio format, which you know many of you are probably used to and enjoy. Uh, in this case here, we get to add some visual elements, some mm -hmm. pictures, some videos, cool stuff like that. And we try to answer the questions that you all have that, uh, you know, we can't when we're recording at uh, midnight, 1 a.m. on some random weeknight, plowing through a bunch of keystones uh, when we do the audio format. So uh, those are fun and those are good. This is a little bit different and also good too. So I'm mm -hmm. excited and encouraged by this format. And uh, if you have any comments, concerns, whatever, go ahead and leave us a review, send us an email, let us know what we're doing wrong, what we're doing right, and how we can do it better because, uh, yeah, we're just here to spread good information, RK, which is sometimes hard to come by these days on the lawn tubes. Well, we just greatly appreciate everybody today, like you said, joining. There's been quite a few new members tonight, and we're still going to continue our other casts as we do. We like to sit around and not necessarily have an agenda for those and just hang out and talk. And But this is another format that we wanted to be able to answer those questions and have those supporters be able to hang out with us in real time. So I think, as you said, I think that went well tonight and, and hopefully everybody got their questions answered. So 
I see on my map here that the the weather is slightly moving into my not not super close, but it's going to be getting here soon. As soon as that happens, my dogs are going to be going crazy. So we'll probably have to get going with ending the stream tonight. But I, we are at the two hour mark, and it was a lot of fun, RD. Hey, it was fun as always. I enjoy all the conversations we have, but especially when they're in front of a whole bunch of people like this and we can't, you know, mess up or do anything or fix it in post. It's just live, right? You know, and uh, we'll continue to do more of these. We'll probably try and do these once a month and feed the beast. But if you do have questions in the meantime, go ahead and send those over to, what is it, RK? What's that email address? Care at gmail.com. It sounds like he presses a button on the roadcast every time he says it because it just sounds the same every single time. He is a professional, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Trained. All right. Well, hey, R- trained. RK, RK, it was a good time. I can't wait till the next one. And uh, here another week or two, we'll be doing an audio cast where uh, I might be uh, sitting under the lights at a football stadium watching it get sprigged or something like that just to uh, pass the time. There you go. And I'll probably be crying after sanding my lawn and looking at it as it's destroyed so that's where we'll be ah, that's where we'll be can't wait well hey looking forward to it it was fun rk i'll catch you on the next one